Welcome to the Social Fabric Chronicles podcast. My name is Andrea Splendori and this week my guest is Barry Dempsey. I first spoke to Barry in 2018 for one of the early podcasts for Social Fabric and uh, he's a wonderful young man and we kept in touch ever since and uh, I've been kind of keeping an eye on his progress in personal and professional life and I just wanted to catch up with him to see how that has evolved since we last spoke. Please subscribe, share and review. It really helps podcasts like this to survive. Also check out my other podcast, Social Fabric. And there's over 100 episodes at this stage. Finally, I've just launched a new series called The Emotional Coach. And this is all around the coaching world. It's an area that I'm getting involved in uh, of late. And I want to explore a little more. It's about coaching and its people. Hope you, you enjoy it. Talk to you soon. Take care. The music is by Nevada. But anyway, let's talk about you, Barry. Barry Dempsey. How's it going? <laughs> Thanks. Now, I, was just look, I was just looking at it, right? The, the time that, that when I spoke to you was um, 2018, August 2018 or something like that. So it's close enough to two years. So what's happened yeah. in the last two years? <laughs> That's a... That's a loaded question, I suppose. It's um, it's a it's a good one. A lot. I I would probably think a lot has happened. Um, I think when we spoke last time, um, I wasn't I suppose to be honest. I wasn't actually in an amazing place. Um, there was some some kind of stuff going on, and I hadn't really processed it. And it was after our conversation, you know, people started to kind of get in touch. Just friends would get in touch and say geez, that, that was, that was pretty good. And the work you do is really good. And I suppose I kind of looked at my own practice and myself and I thought maybe I, maybe I'd like to, to delve more and deeper into this. And I probably looked at, you mentioned personal development there earlier on. And I probably thought, you know, personal development is a really good thing. And then it was through social fabric that I listened back and I, I heard Juju's interview and I heard Neil O'Murku's interview and then I was thinking like, wow, trail running, wow, Wim Hof. I'd like to explore these. And that's what I did. And I, I, I tried my hand at trail running for a while. And, um, and then the Wim Hof thing just absolutely sort of seemed to blow the doors open. And I went and did my level one and my level two. And then I found the love for cold water therapy and the commitment and that whole kind of triad. And then it, opened the door to sea swimming and it opened the door to meeting new creative inspirational people and then from there it just seems to have gathered momentum and then I left the job I was in that I figured out I wasn't entirely happy in and um, found a new role with which I'm quite happy at the moment and that's helping you know underprivileged marginalized young people specifically teenagers and there's a lot of prevention work in there and that's what I'm really kind of passionate about at the moment. So it touches on mental health and addiction. And things seem to be kind of moving along in a nice way. I kind of, um, as I said, like I've met people like, like say Luke. I would have known Luke back in the day, but we've gotten to know each other in a different way now. And the healing forest is something that we're, we're trying out something. We're going to start a um, kind of a men's circle thing that... Um, we're not sure what to call it yet, but we're going to do a kind of a mental health men's group, sort of very, very primitive, sitting around a fire, just a group of us, just, just very raw and see where it goes. Things can always evolve and stuff. So um, 
we're touching on that. And then, yeah, just there's the Mindful West run as well that's coming up. Um, that has to get a plug as well. So helping out like the charity A Lust for Life and, you know, Crumlin Children's Hospital Research. That's something that seems to be kind of close to my heart as well now. Um, and yeah, a lot, of, a lot of things have been happening at the moment, but it's all driven in a, a very strange, good, positive direction. And I think I probably have to tip my hat to you because you're, you're, you're definitely in there. Like the podcast generated something which began a conversation with several people and it led to change, I guess. And I'm all about through my work, you know, getting clients to change. But I guess I realized like I needed to change aspects of, of who I am and, and, and my interests and, you know, what I can do with myself as well. So it's, it's uh, that's, that's probably one way of summing it up, I suppose. Well, that's great because uh, I'm glad to have been part of the process. But I mean, it really is down to conversations, right? Which is what I keep banging on about conversation, conversation. Like even you, you mentioned the your conversation with Luke, uh, Lucas, this healing forest uh, up in Kilturnan or something. And uh, yeah, but I mean, your conversation between the two of you, possibly while you're having a swim in the cold water, brought you to discuss men's mental health, and and now you want to open up that. Which is great. Exactly. It's, uh, and uh, and how are you finding like now like you change the job, but you're still in the same area. You're still looking after teenagers, and mm-hmm. and that was the that was the original reason why I wanted to talk to you a couple of years ago. Was it was just a really fascinating area, and it's something that is really not spoken about enough in my mind. You know that, that there's people yeah. like yourself out there working with <laughs> just teenagers. Could be my kids. Could be your kids, and. Uh, and they happen to have had a, a rough patch and the, you're trying to steer them in the right direction. But tell us a bit about that in, since the last couple of years, how that has changed for you and what kind of results you've seen with the, with the teenagers that you're dealing with? Or the... Well, I, I suppose it's a little bit of it is um, the relationship is obviously like the, the, the key. It's the, the, the kind of the magic door and what what I suppose I find is I think the earlier you're able to not intervene, but the earlier you can form a relationship with a young person and help them through to navigate the difficult times and give them like an anchor point that they always feel welcome to come back to and they have someone to talk to in a non-judgmental, unconditional way. That is something that never leaves them. If you if you can have an impact on on a young person at an early enough age. In their formative years, they'll always remember that. And they'll always remember someone came in and treated them like, like a young adult that not necessarily they might have felt before. So that has been one thing that I'm keen to, to sort of impress upon when you have that, do you know, like a, a sixth class primary student leaving to go into first year secondary. That transition is, is, is absolutely massive and there's you know, going from being like a tiny fish in a big pond, um, or sorry, the other way around, to going into secondary where they're a tiny fish in a, in a huge pond. And that challenge of that summer, I think, those three months are really fundamental for a young person because they leave that sort of security of a little school behind. They go in and there's all that identity and sense of self comes in. And they start kind of trying new things. They're they come across like social media issues. They come across peer issues. 
They don't feel as comfortable. They have to define themselves. They have to fit in or not fit in. That brings with it its own challenges. So um, that's, that's something that I've, I've probably found with the work now is more important than ever to try and intervene and prevent. So it's just, you know, prevention is, is, is what it says in the tin. It's something that will last for a longer period of time. I, I suppose I find with like 18 or 19 year olds, you can be kind of nearly almost firefighting with the learned behaviors and addiction can sometimes become entrenched at that age, but everyone can change at some point or another. And if you, if you have something there to go back to, that's, that sticks out in a young person's mind that they feel they can, they can come back to you and they can maybe resolve an issue. Hmm. Yeah, because the, the addiction thing, I remember talk, when we were talking last time, you were saying it can start very early, and, and that's number a hard one to break. Is that still the case two years on, or we're still facing that, or is it getting better? <laughs> Look, unfortunately, it's probably since we last spoke, Andre, it's probably even got younger. Um, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's something that's just moving. It's kind of moving along so fast that, you know, when drug trends happen they 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 evolve so quickly and the mentality of someone who's involved in like criminality or or dealing um or intimidation is now a huge one you know drug related intimidation where someone will say right i've got this you're going to hold it and if you don't hold it we're going to break your windows and if they've held it and not sold it or paid up in time the family has the bill or they would prey on kind of vulnerable families and um, a lot of younger kids are trying to define themselves with the social standing that's that's kind of associated with that lifestyle you know you've got all the the proper kit you know the Canada goose jacket and the and the trainers and all that the Nike Air 270s and vulnerable impressionable young teenagers think that that's that's where you want to be and they kind of feed to that as well. And unfortunately, it seems to be younger because these young lads, as the case in Kulak, um, these young lads are, are expendable. Um, they can be used, and there's a conveyor belt of them. They're very easy to find. They're very easy to groom. And unfortunately, like that's, that's how the cycle goes. And now with this COVID crisis as well, dealing has changed. It's gone more underground now. It's um, more online sort of substances are, are being passed around and delivery drivers have been used to courier stuff. And yeah, it's, 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 it's something that has got a little bit younger according to what we've sort of seen, but the European center for monitoring drugs and drug addiction, they're doing a trend spotter survey and they're going to sort of have the results available. I think it's in early July and that'll give us a really good sense of where services are at and what people are kind of coming up against so it's probably watch this space situation wow and uh, so effectively what you guys are trying to do is to break that cycle to get that one guy to to find an alternative what what kind of alternative do you see kids getting into like i can understand all of that pressure i can understand the intimidation etc but the one that gets away, how does he get away or she gets away with it? What, what does she do or to? It's, it's a lot of it is probably trying, trying enough things to see where the niche is or where they, where they kind of fit in. So 
like my work would be just probably meeting someone on a one-to-one and you know putting the putting the chat out there and kind of like look you know where we are if you want to drop in or else i'll get a referral from maybe social worker or something like that and they might just say look we've got this guy and he's in a little bit of difficulty could he come in and have a chat and he's dropped out of school early and he's smoking a lot of weed and it's kind of messing with his head he's only like 14 and then we'll come in we'll have a chat and then we'll kind of say right you know activities are something that all young people are into so let's try and go up the mountain and let's, you know, there's like lots of places do bushcraft and shelter building and fire setting. And that's usually a good hook to get in that, you know, all young people want to go up and let's light a fire. I suppose like two young lads, especially were, were quite vulnerable. And we took them down, myself and my colleague took them down to an adventure place, Kipur. And you, you, you probably ran around there before or something, maybe. And um, beautiful setting, and we lit a fire. We built our own little shelter. And one of the guys was like, "I'm enjoying this so much. I don't even think I need a joint or seven cans, you know." And that was that. That was an affirmation in itself that you can substitute something natural for something that's you know that's the other end of natural. And um, it's it's probably about trying different things. So now we're looking at, we've got a kind of a very cutting edge artist guy. He's a young guy, he's Bally Brack, and uh, he's been through some stuff himself. And he is a really kind of giving back personality. He's larger than life. And um, he's, he's just so open to, he's flooding with ideas. And we're doing a summer camp and it's going to be art related. And he himself had said, if it wasn't for art, like graffiti, murals, he would have gone down that path and that path has a no return. And he just says he wants to be able to get his message across, you know, and that's brilliant. So art, outdoors, activities, that's, that's probably it. You, you, you try a few different things, you know, I'd love to do the Wim Hof thing. I'd love to do the sea swimming. Um, cause I know that really helped me and I'd, I'd love to, but that that's, that's a softly, softly approach, I think maybe. Um, but well, we can we can go for that anyway. But yeah, it's it's trying different things and seeing what sticks. Brilliant. And speaking of the Wim Hof, so in the last couple of years in your uh, self improvement, growth, uh, whatever you want to call it, how? I mean, because it, again, I think I asked you this at, at the time. It's 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 hard work. What you do, it's 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 demanding, physically and mentally demanding. You know, dealing with situations, not all of them really nice. How how? What's the best thing that you've done the last couple of years to? To reset yourself, to kind of, you know, ground you after a session or after two sessions or whatever, a full day work that you need to kind of really reset your your button. What's the what have you found that it helps? So the the better days. So there's the heavy days where you you come across you know crisis calls that need to be intervened with really quickly, and you need to maybe get a kind of a case conference together, and you're you're kind of looking for an immediate solution and and get the young person in the middle and wrap a few services around and make them feel kind of held and listened to those ones that you go to, you know, the nights you go to bed and you've got the, you've got what the young person might've told you resonating in your mind and you you can't shake it off. Those days now would have like, so I've, I've got my own ice bath at the back of the house. It's a death trap, nothing nice to look at at all. Nailed together, and one day I, I mightn't come out of it. But 
it's 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 there and it's it's the morning that I start off with that and then I'll take in a sea swim and then I'll come home that night and I'll have a cold shower. It's it's that's that's the blueprint to make everything kind of achievable and you know send me on the right path. It's 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 probably my self care. And then you can top that up with a run or a workout and um, maybe a meditation. It's actually thanks to, again, Social Fabric Connection Alert. Um, it's down to, uh, I'd met Beatrice Caffrey up at the Healing Forest on one of Luke's guided walks. And Beatrice was telling me about Justin. And then I found myself listening to some of Justin's stuff. And I'd just done like a 21-day meditation there that he had he had started. So that's now another one on top of, of all the other sort of coping mechanisms that I'm, I'm quite happy to have found and it gives me a little bit of inner peace as well. Um, and, and, and you're breathing all throughout the day as well. Things get a little bit heavy, just, you know, sucking in some air. That's what works for me. Sucking in see, brilliant. Tell me something. Um, you had, and I don't want to get into your, your kid thing, but one thing, your son had a, a bit of an issue the last couple of months and he ended up in Cromlin. But I want to talk to you about how is he doing at the moment? Is he good? Oh, he's good, man. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for asking. You're very good. Yeah, yeah no, no. I, I, we'll, we'll talk offline about that. But no, I'm just more curious because you put a really nice, um, I think, your experience with Cromlin, uh, and uh, especially during the COVID and all that. So it was quite, it was quite a. Just tell us a bit about that, because again, it's the unsung heroes. I know everybody's talking about heroes now, but when you guys are in there for real, it's, it's one thing for me to go outside the front door and clap for half an hour and or whatever, 10 minutes. It's one thing to be there day and night. And uh, tell yeah. us a bit about your experience. Yeah, so look, we, we, we went, we had to go in. We were sort of, we had a couple of these bouts of like fevers and stuff that weren't, weren't going away. And he would, he, he would be quite a, quite a, he would have been quite a sick sick little man and these big flare-ups would happen and it resulted in like a huge lump in his neck and we didn't know what it was and doctors said it could be something related to leukemia or something so we were quite worried and we had a stint in hospital and it was resolved through IV antibiotics and we were sent home and then it was about like a week later it flared up again and he just went like this really sickly color and you know blue lips and all this kind of stuff and we got quite worried, so we went into Crumlin again, and they were like, "Look, we're we're going. We don't know what this is, but we'll run some tests." So while we were in there, you had the added kind of COVID nineteen um, quarantine period. So he would have been in isolation and looking at these people coming in and like full PPE gear. And he's only he was three at the time, so he was he was getting quite a little bit scared of that. Obviously, a kid age three wants to go home to their toys, and you know it. You had to explain to him and there's not so much he can take in and all that. But I have to say, I have to hand it to like the nurses. They were on the outside. Everyone was talking about, you know, two meters distance, protect yourself at all times, hand sanitize, wash hands. Um, you know, people were asked to stay at home. Roads were empty. In Crumlin, it wasn't the case. In Crumlin, was, it, was, it was busy. It was flying. There was, it was, there was a lot going on, even though the hospital was kind of like, Wards were, were slightly emptier than usual because people were obviously scared to go into hospital and a lot of people stayed home with cases that probably should have gone into hospital. But the nurses were there and they just, 
you know, you can't social distance in a hospital. Like it's just, it's just not, not, not properly done. So nurses were just putting themselves at risk day in, day out for little kids like Finn who came in with these strange syndromes or disorders that you weren't able to figure out. And they, their job was just getting to know you by name, not even the kid, but even you as, as like a father or a mother. They'd just be like giving you the time to talk you through um, and get an experience that you could understand. And if you're more relaxed in that situation, your kid is going to understand and see you as well. And they tried to make his, 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 his day full of like activity. So you'd have a parent's room that was closed a children's kind of playroom that was closed, but the nurses themselves took it upon themselves to, to bring in like extra juice and toys and these activity packs and colors. And it, one day when we were told we could go home, he was like, I don't want to go home. <laughs> really? You know, so that was just something that I felt needed to be highlighted. And, and that's why I think when, you know, when the, the run, say the Mindful West run, supporting like CRMI is is something that I'm really happy to kind of hang my hat on because you need you need people championing that cause yeah. and without nurses being the unsung heroes as you said I don't think they get enough credit for for what they have done it's not even covid-19 highlights that it's more what they have been doing for years historically you know so um yeah, absolutely. And then just to, sorry, just to say, um, for people that don't know, we, we are doing this run called the Mindful West. It was supposed to happen in April. Obviously, COVID put it back to, we're now going to do it in September. And you're part of it. There's about 20 of us. And that alone, I think I just, just to explain actually why we're doing it. We're not just doing it for, we're doing it for mental health awareness and we're doing it for, for Kremlin, but we're doing it to get people out and just have a bit of fun. You know, so it's a, it's a run from Greystones to Galway, which it sounds very long. It is 240 kilometers, <laughs> but we'll do bits of it, whatever. We'll, we'll work it out and then we'll, we'll figure it out and, and we'll get there. We'll have a bit of fun and raise a few, few quid for, for the charities. But again, it's going back to that to create a nice environment, a nice conversation. We all get to know each other a bit better and uh, that's the plan really. So that's, that's yeah. brilliant. So what's, uh, what's the plan for the future, for the next few months then, once COVID is over? Have you anything major planned? Um, so if, the, the, again, to just probably touch on the men's circle, that's something that we're going to see how that progresses. And we... We, we do probably imagine that it'll probably resonate with a few people. So, you know, we, the, the, there's a few of them out there. There's a few kind of circles and groups that meet. Um, obviously, it's kind of a little bit based on the men's shed sort of model of, of, of guys. It's not really guys being guys. It's more just a space to share. Because I, I met a, a friend of mine at a wedding in, in uh, Austria, and he's, he lives in Finland. And he says in Finland, nobody talks about their problems. But in a sauna, everyone's, you know, they have a male sauna and the lads just sit in there and there could be the CEO or director of a company and there could be like a, like a, a, a janitor, maintenance guy, road sweeper, whatever. But that's the place that they talk and they, they resolve each other's problems. And it's just such a natural thing to have like just guys sitting there, you know, and they just able to talk freely. So there's something in lads 
connecting. And I think the more of a natural, primal situation, for want of a better word, sitting around a fire, you know, you can just see that, that it could be a kind of a belonging thing. It's probably down to the tribal thing as well. Like Ruth Fitzmaurice Morris would have said, you know, she found her tribe. There's something in me as well that is like, so the social fabric thing I would see is that's a belonging. For me, that's a community that I have that I didn't have before. And I really embrace that. And I'd love to have another little community for someone else to come into and they can feel a part of something. And um, so there's that in one respect. And then probably with, with through work, there's, there's more exciting kind of little side projects coming on as well. And it's trying to get young people to show off their skill set. And if we can do some sort of like art exhibition or something down the line, I haven't really finalized the details on that. But um, that's kind of basically at the moment where it's at. But look, it's all COVID sure. dependent as well. But um, just a, just a very quick one on the on the healing force because if I'm if I'm, if I'm correct, uh, um, Luke did a wonderful job of creating a natural circle with uh, natural wood. Am I right? So it's it's an amazing place. Um, I haven't been there yet, but so effectively there is a space. You're creating a space for starting off with men, but it could potentially be your teenagers sitting around at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And we trialed it with a group that I would work with. So I called them the prevention group. I mean, that's, you know, their name, their name is committee six. That's the name we've called ourselves. But, um, there are six teenagers and they're, they're four, 13, 14. And we came up and we went up to the forest and they, you know, Luke and Nicolene hosted them and they planted some trees and they named their trees and they had that sort of healing forest experience. And they were like, this is wild. This is great. And they loved it. And they wanted to go back again and again. And we were sort of thinking, there's, there's something in this. And, you know, to get groups from schools up, because COVID-19 is after throwing such a spanner in the works for schools. And the anxiety that we're thinking of people, like young people coming back to face school in September after such a long big massive break is 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 baffling like some some kids haven't managed to leave their house in the past three months they're overwhelmed at the fact that like life is going on but they're so worried about their health or the health of their parents and they've just not been able to grasp the whole thing so it's going to take a lot of coaxing and maybe maybe the forest is the way to do it and get small groups up and have them to sit down and you know, ease them back into it and do a little bit of work as well, you know, do a bit of, you know, personal development with them. And it could be something really special. And I know Luke is working on some stuff in the background as well. Um, but yeah, that's, 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 I'd love to be part of that, something like that as well. Brilliant. Okay, Barry, I won't keep you much longer. So tell me the last book you read or the best book you read in the last 12 months. The Anything. best book I read in the last 12 months. So. Dan Goldman, Emotional Intelligence, mm-hmm. is, is probably in the last 12 months, I'd say, that would stand head and shoulders above the rest. And I know that's something that's a little bit close to your heart as well, given your emotional coaching. But that sort of gives everybody a little bit of reason to think that the emotional side is probably as important, if not more important, than the intellectual side. And it, it feeds a lot into the work that I do as well, because we we'd work with like early school leavers and you're trying to teach them that 
emotional competencies are something that you're really going to need to carry you through life. And it's, it wouldn't be the easiest to read, but there's a lot that would resonate. And I suppose the, the groups and stuff that I would, I would try to put together, I, I try to keep a lot of the emotional intelligence work at the forefront of it because the challenges that a young person is going to come up against in their life, and even me, myself, you know, I could, I could, I could empathize with a lot of it as well. And it's just something I think like probably everybody should have a crack at reading because there's a lot in yourself that you, you probably don't know you have. And to just kind of bring it up to the surface as well is, is something that, that you can really, you know, take in, in a specific direction. Brilliant. I should say, we haven't spoken for about six months, so it, it almost li- sounds like it, we have a set up because I just spoke to somebody about emotional intelligence for the other podcast, but no, we haven't spoken. <laughs> it just happened. To- <laughs> <laughs> we, we just closed the Not circle. Not a set up. <laughs> it's not a set up. We just closed the circle by, by mistake, by chance. So that's great. Um, so it's wonderful to see you again, Barry. We will see each other very soon on the trails. I think I sh- probably from next week onwards, we'll be able to to venture out a little bit more and we will we will go for a run and a cold swim and have a proper chat but uh, I can't can't wait until then thanks Emilio for your time yeah you're welcome just to say actually just before you go the um, you know the 2k from my home radar so that puts me right in Greystones Main Street like 200 meters away from the happy pair so I'll have to try and you know I can get to the cove no problem but the happy pair I'm gonna have to (laughs) for a bowl of porridge at some point but yeah we'll do it and I look forward to it thanks very much